In recent years, we've seen an unprecedented amount of small businesses being established, and particularly small businesses being founded and co-founded by black women. Though there is a collective agreement that small businesses are crucial for countries' economic growth and job creation, the ability of small businesses to fulfill their mandates and thrive is either enabled or disabled by access to resources for growth, learning and development, and access to market. It's been 18 months since COVID-19 began shaking up our world as we knew it, and trying to survive in an uncertain environment is a challenge all businesses have faced, but small Black-owned businesses have been hit the hardest. But even in the midst of the strain many of us have been feeling, there are stories of hope, experiences we, uh, from others that we can learn from, and inspiration that can birth new ideas that reinvigorate us. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sihle Bolani. In this episode, I'm joined by Ndombe Ntlentleko, co-founder and 30% shareholder of Pavati Plastics. As finance director, Ndombe Ntle also oversees Pavati Plastics finance, risk and compliance functions. Ndombe Ntle, hello and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Hi, Sihle. How are you? Thank you for inviting me to the podcast today. Thanks um, for the invite. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, before we get into the meat of our conversation around being a black woman running a business, let's start from the beginning. How <laughs> did you get to where you are? Where did it all begin? Oh, well, Sihle, um, from the beginning, um, in terms of my professional background, I maybe i can start to say first of all when i was in high school back in Durban girls high i had an idea i i knew what i like and what were my core skills that are this type of subject that i enjoyed but um there was a point in 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 you know when you do metric and you, sometimes you get anxiety you don't know what you really want to do and then you start doubting your decisions mm -hmm. Um, I went through that phase and I was like, oh, maybe I won't become a CA. Maybe it's going to be difficult. And I started doubting that. Um, but my mom was quite a strong woman and she told me, listen, you're going to be a CA. Just go to varsity. I want a CA in my household. So she gave me the last push to be able to apply and go to varsity and say, okay, I'm going to do the CA route. I just knew in general that I like the financial and the accounting um, uh, subjects. Mm. Uh, but I think at that time I was sort of scared of the whole process um, mm. because of the unknown. Um, so and then I went on to study at UKZN and I find myself really enjoying my BCom degree. I, I really did. I, I don't know whether it came naturally or whether it's because I was just interested in the topics themselves, from economics to um, uh, statistics um, to commercial law. I was just really interested in the business um, administration and the business management topics mm. and accounting on top of that. So I furthered my studies in accounting until I got my honours uh, back in 2006, I think. Uh, from the UKZN then. Um, after that, I moved on to do my articles at PricewaterhouseCoopers in Sunning Hill. Well, it used to be at Sunning Hill before they, they moved um, to the new offices here in, in Waterfall, in mm -hmm. Johannesburg. So while I was doing, um, I was at PwC as well, doing my articles, most of my clients there were in the financial services sectors and mm -hmm. investment sector and pension funds. Um, I must say, I mean, it is part of work experience. There, there were a lot of learning curves there. And I think I had good mentors at, at PwC. I give them that. I had good managers um, and I find my stride in it. Um, I did enjoy it, although it was long hours mm -hmm. and under a lot of pressure. But I think that's where I developed my work ethic. Uh, I was, um, there was this thing at PwC, we always used to talk about the quality of work is a reflection of yourself. So in terms of the work that I would like to always bring in, in anything I do, I always strive for the best quality as possible. And I think that was embedded in me. 
Mm. And um, hence, I became pedantic in how I deliver my work and the type of research and that I must be able to hold my own and argue my decisions and my findings and and explore more in, in understanding processes, procedures, sound control, governance mm. in that space. Mm. Um, and then from there, after I qualified as a CA back in 2010, I moved to Anglo-American um, uh, operations in Johannesburg, Marshalltown. I was actually sponsored by Anglo-American back in Varsity, so I had to do my dues back in Anglo-American. And I continued in the auditing space and risk management space, also mm. in the Anglo-American, in the mining industry. Mm. Um, so that's where I developed most of my risk management skills, um, understanding operational risk, inherent risk and customer risk, and just um, other risk outside that you, outside of your control. And um, mostly there I was looking at the corporate business uh, unit, uh, uh, the Kumba business unit, and the coal business unit in, um, in Vitbank. Mm. Um, whilst I was there, I felt I, had, I wasn't really exploring enough of my skills. And mm. I think at that age I was 25 or so. And I wanted to explore where else can I give back in terms of the skills that I have, where can I share my knowledge and what more can I do outside of my normal nine to five mm. uh, job. And that's when the idea of, of joining either a family business or starting my own business and just taking the risk because you're young and you say, okay, I have nothing much to lose. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I have the time and I have the energy. Let me take the risk and let me, be involved in business mm. and that's how i started mm. that's such a an interesting journey and you know it's 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 always i mean you're the second person who has a background in in risk um that i have spoken to on this podcast and one of the things that I always find interesting, and particularly for you, because you're the first person who's in business uh, with the risk background that i'm speaking to so many small businesses or people start their businesses. Um, but risk is one of the things that very, very few people actually consider when establishing their businesses. Yes. It's not even something that comes into mind because there's just no exposure to it as a function within the business or a necessity mm -hmm. um, to enable your business's growth and sustainability and you know uh, the governance that is required yeah. to be in place. 100%. Why, before we get into the nitty gritty of successfully managing and running a business, I mean, you're in the plastics industry. Why, how much did you know about the industry before you went into it? And why did you choose that particular industry? Um, to answer you, Cisha, it's, it's, a, it's a very long-winded answer, but I would say... Uh, well, the plastic business, Pavati Plastic, where we are now, it's our second business. So we had a first business before then, and um, it, it's sort of a logical growth for us from our first business and experiences we had in our first business, which was Pavati Trading, which was in distribution and sales industry in, for the FMCG. Mm. And um, even now, where we are in plastic, uh, in the plastic packaging side business side we own our own plastic packaging and we our clients are still majority fmcg mm. so to answer you but without going back in details um, in terms of what happened with the first business the 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 opportunity to be in plastic because nobody goes to school and say i want to study plastics right mm. or it's such an industry called plastics um it just was a natural growth from our first business. And when we, when the BE codes changed, I think it was 2013 during that time, and there was a huge focus on procurement mm. uh, in terms of transformation in that space. Um, as entrepreneurs, we always believe in knocking in doors and we'll knock in corporate doors. Uh, and uh, we went from a different corporates and uh, Bidvis Afcom gave us an, a platform to listen to our stories as an entrepreneur and to say where we come from and what we're trying to do and they said to us right okay fine we want to transform we 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 are 
we want to be local, we are a local company, we, we believe in South Africa, we believe in the potential of black people in business. Okay, here's our spend. Um, we want to transform this consumable. And the consumable that they wanted to transform was a plastic packaging consumable. Mm. So from there, you obviously you can be given an opportunity to mm. say this is the opportunity, but you must take the opportunity and run with it. Mm. Some opportunities are not for everyone. Some things, sometimes it doesn't work for you in terms of your personality and maybe that's where your that's not where your path is. For us, that opportunity fitted quite well because it was from the FMCG and we looked at the opportunities to grow because every single product that's in your store, retail, is packaged. Mm. It's packaged, it's labeled, it's printed. Um, most of the packaging is in plastics and, um, and, and we wanted to learn more about the industry. We felt, okay, it's a different touch point. We, we know the look and feel of a product, uh, because we used to distribute products. We know how to lay out a product product for consumers, but we want to own the means of production. Mm. So that's how we grew into understanding plastics. And we did a lot of research behind it before we can say we can accept the opportunity to say, okay, we want to take this opportunity. We want to try, we want to transform the industry. And we had to learn quite a bit about the industry. And we did a lot of research in terms of the papers that were done by the uh, DTI in terms of the industry, how many employed people are in the industry, because it's a sub-industry in the chemicals and rubbers industry. Mm. and understanding legality and regulations mm. if there's any and um, whether it's a transform industry or it's a small industry and the big players the small players and the barriers to entry the raw mm. material just all of that um, so that took us um, from 20 I think we started from 2013 it took us about two years 2013, 2014, until we officially started operating as in producing our own products, we started in 2017. So mm-hmm. it was a long road, but um, in terms of saying we want to do this, uh, mm-hmm. but we were very careful in saying, are we ready and what do we know and how do we want to start being part of the plastic industry with starting from an entry point, a beginning point to learn and take baby steps, mm. not start with something so complex because there's different uh, complexities to it mm. uh, in terms of where you play in the plastic industry. Mm. So it uh, for us, um, uh, me and my co-founder, we wanted to, to take that route and we felt um, we were quite happy with the opportunity that was given to us by Bedvesha. Now, you know, it's a big jump moving from being an employee to being a business owner where you find yourself in a position where you're responsible for um, acquiring access to markets or business development. Um, You have new responsibilities as an employer of people. Um, You have new responsibilities in terms of stakeholder management. What has that journey and that evolution been like for you over the years? Yeah, well, the the journey of being an employer, um, I think for me, I uh, personally started uh, back in 2010, or, well, I could say 2011, because I, I left Anglo in 2010, um, or well, late tw- 2011, and I started, and I joined uh, the family business, which was poverty training at the time, um, uh, in 2011, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was June, and um and it's true, Sile. I mean, being an employee is very much different when people rely on your decision and rely on you making sound decision, doing business development and um, stakeholder management. Suddenly, um, there's more to be done. Mm-hmm. So that journey for us, for me, has been great. Um, in terms of employing people, I found... I found joy in that. Uh, I found that there's nothing more fulfilling than to, it's a very difficult task because every time you you want to employ people, you get a thousand, especially now, you get thousands of CVs. And so you need to make decisions to say who will fit in the organization and what type of skills they bring in and whether 
for this role, we're trying to grow youth people in 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 the new in the new role, and we want to coach youth people to come on board. So for that, being an employee, being an employer, you need to understand that diversity is key in in in, in your team of people, mm-hmm. and you need to understand that. Um, the people that you bring in, for me, it's always key that they must be solution orientated. The people that I'm bringing in, mm-hmm. and I don't believe in micromanaging people. I am the type of leader that believes you must build other people to be leaders one day. Mm-hmm. So, for me, in terms of my employees, I want to give them the opportunity to make mistakes, to learn, to ask the questions, and for them to be empowered in the space that they're in, whether it's in finance whether it's in production or quality control and just for them to feel that they've grown by being part of the organization Mm. for stakeholder management um that one for us i find that although i'm I'm not to say whether sometimes you need to blow your own horn i find that we are very good in terms of stakeholder management between me and my co-founder mm. we've we've always been open with our stakeholders we need to understand who our stakeholders in terms of you have your legal stakeholders being government and so on and the different departments that are involved when you are an employer in terms of compliance from sars to the department of labor um, and then you have to understand your other stakeholders outside of your employees being your partners your your banking partners, your customers, um, and and any environmental, especially in our case, because we have uh, plastics, any other environmental requirements in our in our case. Mm. So with our stakeholders, uh, if I can speak about some of our customers, we always have what we call an SLA, which is a service level agreement, and we have what we call stakeholder engagement, monthly meetings or quarterly meetings. I think as a finance person, as a CA who comes from that environment, I understand the importance of having sound and strong controls mm. and having important engagement with your stakeholders in such a way that they understand the business themselves. They understand what is your next growth path and where you're going as a business so they don't get surprises and you take your stakeholders with you. Mm. Similarly, us as shareholders, we have our own engagement to understand that we still align in terms of the business plan and if there are changes, for example, nobody plans for COVID. Mm. COVID came to our lives and we need to obviously upgrade and change and, and develop and work smarter in our operation. Mm. Um, so in terms in terms of that, um, we have grown a lot. And I think it's a continuous development, uh, both personally and in terms of operation. And we always look to improve across all the lines um, uh, from being an employer. Um, It's just a a normal course of growing. And um, we also try to uh, put in right now, uh, whether you know or you may know, there's a lot of regulations and changes in terms of uh, the acts that comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, If there are changes in in our spaces like the property act, we bring in our employees, we teach, we coach, we train people, and we are very much an open organization. And uh, because we're young people, we have an open door policy where we can engage our people, Mm. uh, our supervisors, and talk about challenges that they're experiencing, both in the workplace and out of the workplace, because at the end of the day, we want to get the best out of our people. Mm. And um, these are tough times. If If we don't support each other and collaborate with our stakeholders, then poverty plastic is not going to achieve, it's not going to end up grow where it's supposed to be. Mm, absolutely. And for people who may be listening and either run their own small businesses or are considering starting a business and maybe have never considered um, the role of sound governance within a company, why is it such an important aspect to bring into the, the, the foundation of the business that you build? Oh wow, Sisha. You you go nowhere without sound governance in any organization, no matter how small it is. I mean, governance is not a is not a complex thing. I mean, governance is is the core. It's basically supposed to drive your values as an organization and your goals. Um so it's simple things like um if you have an employee and the part of the code of conduct is to start at eight and leave at five 
that is the governance you must make sure you even in this employer you must be an example to your people uh, so it's basically just the values of the organization and how you and how you manage those values um, I think sound governance as well is just for, for, for an organization with sound governance, it's just easier to manage things and be prepared for risk and respond to the changes in your environment. Mm. And, and uh, because there will always be changes. I mean, um, it's a moving path. Um, and be able to say, okay, fine, where we are in terms of our controls and our governance, uh, where do we need to improve? It gives you a sense to say, I'm able to look at my business plan uh, because most entrepreneurs, uh, you come up with an idea, you draft it in a business plan, it's all great and well. But if you don't have foundation that is going to help you operate this business plan, and which is your governance, you, you, you're not going to achieve your goals, you're not going to even see when there are errors or when there are challenges and how do I fix those challenges? What are my action plan? Do I need a, a three months action plan, six months, nine months action plan? and just be um, sort of uh, truthful in terms of your processes mm. and, and, and have a plan for your organization. It's sort of like a, a blueprint to say, step one, step two, this is what we're doing and, uh, and our controls are gonna help us to get there. Mm. Um, I, I don't see how you can, as an owner or a founder of a business, you can run a business if you don't have certain key controls around finances that's mm. just absolutely key uh, around just customer services you know um if you're in the customer front how do you deliver your customer service are you adding any value um and, and uh, around just compliance and risk because as small as smes small businesses some of the challenges we face is not understanding the compliance space you know mm. your SARS your your legal space your company's ad space and sometimes that could make you fail because mm. you only pick it up when it's too late um so um it's very important to have those an idea and 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 somehow controls and governance around those those elements and and by having that you will be able to identify when you need certain skills and when you need help in your in your in your organization to mm -hmm. say okay there's this new act i don't know how to implement it but it is impacting on me because in essence um as an owner you are aware of your surrounding so do i need a technical support do i need advice do i need to bring in additional skills um, so that you don't become found wanting at the end and your administration and your government, because it's not so sound, is the result of your company failing um, and, and because people just don't have sound um, procedures and how to treat and respect the organization. Mm -hmm. Now, running a business is no easy thing. <laughs> Um, and, the, you know, they say that businesses fail, most businesses fail between, uh, within the first three years. But Pavati yeah. Plastics has been around for six years now. What yeah. is it that helps you keep going as business owners, um, as a company? Oh, yeah, that's, that's okay for my personal, that's a... There are two things because you're asking me for my personal friend as a business owner because obviously me also as an individual I need to keep going. Mm -hmm. There are tough times and you need I need my own motivation and I need my own mentors mm. uh, and people that motivate me and support me every day. Um, so as as a a, a young lady um, in in the business space. Um, what has kept me going through the tough times um, it's it's largely my ex my background in a sense that you know I, I grew up in an, in an environment or in a family where both my parents were self-employed I mean my dad was a taxi owner we had spaza shop in the township economy uh, so I, I learned from them how to run a business and how to uh, navigate tough times by by just seeing them go through those tough times mm -hmm. and um, and seeing them raise a family of six kids and they to me they did it very well um, and and then at the same time because of that 
background, I also had siblings that are all, I think all my siblings are, are, are running their own businesses in different spaces, whether construction, financial services, and manufacturing. Mm. So they, that is just the foundation I have, and that is just the, the blood that is, is, is flowing through my veins, through the support of my family and friends as well. And so I find that I also have other mentors in the professional space that I can always uh, bounce back ideas with and they can always encourage me and mm. show me and advise me of the way forward just from a personal growth mm. point of view. And then from a business point of view to say, how do we how do we continue? Why do we wake up every day and come to work and strive and through this COVID times? Uh, because obviously as a manufacturer, people have to come to work and because the machines are here, you can't work from home. Um, what drives us to continue, you know, it's for me, I it's people come, it's the idea of employing people. They, mm. it's, it's such a hard time in South Africa with such a huge unemployment rate. Mm. Um, I remember when we employed 16 new young people, they were grade 12. I think they had a grade 12. Most of them didn't have post metric um, uh, education. And it was 16 of them, I think out of the 16, nine of them were females. It was the first time they work into a machine. I felt so good with that decision. And, mm. and and those young people have been with us for two years now. They've grown. They've taken decisions in terms of health and safety. And, and they strive in the environment. Mm. So we, we as Pavati continue because we understand the black child. We understand what needs to be done in our community what needs to and 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 that we play a role as as small businesses um uh, as as they say small businesses are are supposed to be the foundation of our community to employ the young people Mm -hmm. and um as well because me and my co-founder we we've always had this big vision we we always had a vision board of every five years where we want to be Mm -hmm. and um and I think we we are steadfast with our visions and our goals. We are not deterred. Um, we we like to bring people in to believe in us, to believe in our vision, and for them to physically come and see what is possible with um, uh, black uh, entrepreneurs and black businesses. If you have the right support, if you have the right structures, and the, and and both from government and private sector support. Mm-hmm. And, and what can that mean for our people um, in, in, in our communities? Mm. You know, I love that you and your siblings grew up in a space where your parents were able to, you know, I guess be an example of a blueprint for you of, of mm. business ownership. Um, but for many young people, particularly young black South Africans who are starting their own businesses or running their own businesses, they're the first generation or they are first, yeah. the first in their families to be branching out um, and becoming business owners. And so they don't necessarily have a blueprint. They don't necessarily have uh, family members who may be sounding boards uh, for them to be able to effectively navigate the challenges that come with running a business and growing a business. Um, but you've successfully managed to to get to where you are now, but that's not without some challenges along the way. Mm. What are some of the ones, the challenges that you have grappled with over the years as a oh, business? Wow. Yes, there's been very challenging times. Um, I remember, uh, obviously, uh, just honestly speaking to us, the one thing I, I don't like is when us as, as business owners, we're not honest about the challenges that we we face and mm. we're sort of uh, a bit vague about yes. it because of whether we're embarrassed to talk about it. But I think um, me and my co-founder has always been open about the challenges that we face. For our first business, um, we had our first business, well, um, he started it in 2008 and I joined in 2011, which was the the distribution, the sales and distribution business. Mm. Um, 
and and eventually that business ran up until 2013 um, when we lost one of the biggest contracts because we had one big contract really um, uh, and when we lost that contract and it went to a multinational um, the difficulty there was retrenching people there's nothing I can see. I can say a lot of difficulties that you can face in terms of um, compliance and uh, uh, whether it's diversity and, and 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 just people management, but retrenching individuals mm. and your employees that have been there, and because you understand by retrenching one person, you're affecting how many people mm. back home, mm. and they are the breadwinner. Mm. It was the toughest thing to retrench people, and 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 ours. You know, I had employees that were the age of 50 and I'm like 27 and mm. I'm retrenching someone that I called Baba, you know, and uh, and that they, uh, you know, there's no job anymore. And, and, and just the sad look and the face and understanding the impact as a black mm. child to say, you know, it's not only his salary. He, he probably supports a family of 10, 15 people. There's kids going to school. There's extended family back in the rural area. And it's painful to mm. go through that as, as a black person retrenching another black person. It's just generally painful. That's just my my personal feeling of uh, that really grew me from a personal uh, point of view to have tough skin mm. and uh, to and to say, you know, to forgive myself as an owner to say I felt I let a lot of people down. Mm. We had over 100 employees at the time and we had to retrench and and move and from there eventually we had to think outside the box to say well this business is no longer working for us um what else can we do you know where can we grow uh we we believe in ourselves as entrepreneurs we just need another opportunity hence the birth of poverty plastics Mm. so that was one of the major big issues we went through and then um also because of those retrenchments, even us as owners, we went through a financial difficulties in mm. our personal space. Um, obviously, we had to liquidate the older company, and that impacted us in our personal space tremendously. Mm. Um, I remember um, a time when our our house was going to be auctioned, mm. and. Um, Again, there it was a support of very close friends and family that came to the part and say, "Guys, you are capable to to do this thing again. We're gonna support you." And mm-hmm. I am forever grateful for those type of friends and and in the family we have that they were not really scolding us, but they understood that that's just part of um, of a business life cycle. It's not mm-hmm. because of something we did wrong. It's just it was bad luck on our side. Mm. And again, they came back to support us when we said, okay, we're not going back to full-time employment because it was easy. I could have dusted off my CV and gone back to full-time employment. Mm. I mean, I'm a CA, I'm a black female. I was getting offers for jobs, but I was like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to pursue this business. I want to pursue being a business owner and, and having financial freedom and employing people, making a difference in my space, in my community, and making a difference to employing young females uh, in a work environment. Mm. Um, and so when we wanted to do it again, same family and friends said, yeah, go for it. Nobody came and said, no, you guys are just wasting your time. Mm. Um, but they it's because they understood the type of characters we were and they really believe if we, if no if we can't do it then no one can because mm. we are very steadfast we persevere and we are very driven about what we want to do mm. um so from a personal friend it's it it, it 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 went and we went through that for about two years that financial difficulty i think it was between the time 2014 and 2015 that was the hardest time even i remember my dad at the time he 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 was so supportive and he's he was older he was so supportive. he didn't understand what was happening but he said don't give up you know mm. he, he just had that support he believed that we can do it um uh, we just need a time and and sometimes in life you you need that support for people that are around you mm. if they if they don't support you you can easily give up on yourself and your goals and your dreams mm, absolutely so so true you know you alluded to this um briefly just now um the fact that businesses undergo various stages during their life cycle 
Uh, for many businesses, uh, expansion is often stalled by either a lack of access to resources such as finances or skills development or even strategic advice from people who know and understand business. How have you navigated this phase? Because the reality is that when we start our businesses, we don't know everything. In fact, there's so much more that we don't know than what we do know. So how did you yes. navigate this? Oh, wow. Um, we've, we've navigated this um, through being part of one of the greatest things that happened to Pavati Plastic was being part of the APSA um, Supplier Development Program. Mm. Um, when, we, when we started uh, Pavati Plastics, um, with the support, obviously, from a customer, we had a, a potential customer being Bedvest Afcom, who gave us the opportunity to say, okay, fine, we would want to transform to, trans to transform our own supply chain. And we, we like you guys as entrepreneurs. Um, fine, we'll, we'll, we are willing to give you the business in the space, but obviously it, it, to get what we call uh, in, uh, in our industry, we call it an off-take agreement or an SLA, an agreement of a customer or a letter of intent to say, we want to do business with you. Mm. You still needed, we were moving from um, from just being a sales and distribution to now manufacturing. Now manufacturing, you we require to spend money. We require to buy means of production, being mm. machinery, and um, uh, which we didn't need initially. So mm. being part of APSA, APSA came on board and said they want to be our partner. They wanted to be our, our, our banking partner. But not only just from a bank point of view, they really in essence, they were saying we are banking the entrepreneur. We we like your guy's story. We like your tenacity. It was the African story of you know a black child going through all odds and saying, "I'm coming back. I want to do this work." Mm. And they were they wanted to support us. Um, and we went through a journey with Absa for from 2015, I think I believe, from them funding us and. Um, again is they tailor made the funding for us because they understood the uniqueness on where we are and they understood the fact that okay we i didn't have uh, reserves I, I don't have collateral you know mm. to bring in uh, i am just this young girl coming in with experience from initial business that i've grown i have some stride in that and I, I believe in this business plan and, and I just needed funding. Mm. But they tailored made that funding for us. And, and that's just part of the program to say, we want to understand your business. We want to help you grow the business. We want to be in the next phase of your business. In every single phase of your business, we want to be there with you. And um, hence there was an appreciation that, uh, you know, Pavati Plastics is of a high growth path. And APSA said to us every year, um, what type of support would you need? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we used to have this conversation with the with our uh, with our banker to say in the beginning of the year we used to touch base. Okay, what are we going to be doing this year? What can we do more? Do you need support in terms of technical support? Do you need um, uh, you know support in terms of skills development? Um, and so it opened us up to say to put our hands up. Uh, to say, to call our ESD, uh, our SD program to say, okay, I need help now in this phase of my business. I need technical support in terms of, I need a specialist that will come in and help us do a, a strategic objectives review of our business. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to um, absolutely open up their hands and say, okay, this is the type of service provider you need, you know, mm. for, for, for doing a 360 degree view of your business and helping you for the next phase. Because sometimes the mistake we do as owners, because we're in our business every day, mm. you know, we, we get bogged down with the operations and the running around and the stresses of every day that we don't take a step back and have a 360 view of where we are mm. in terms of our business plan and in, based on where we, we initially said we're gonna be and whether are we ready for the next life cycle, the next phase of the business mm. and where we are, does it prepare us to move to the next phase and so on to the next phase. So it's I believe it's always important to do those 360 review of your business and understanding by by understanding that you're able to do proper risk management and, and getting a gap analysis to mm. see whether 
what are the gaps in my business? What do I need to prepare? What do I need to fix for me to be, to prepare me to go to the next phase? And and then that's where we got the additional support as well from, from APSA um, Supplier Development Program, where we had uh, technical people coming to do that deep dive in, in our business, understanding our financial needs and being realistic with our growth timelines. Mm. And essentially out of all of that, we came up with the blueprint to say, the next phase of our business is expansion. What is the value of that expansion? And where are we growing? What, what are the new markets are we tapping in? Are we going to export to SADC? And what does it mean from an exporting point of view? Um, and, and what are the difficulties with exporting? How do we manage that? And um, and I really do, do appreciate having that type of a partner um, as well. I, it's a stakeholder, really. It's more, it's upset is more than a, a banker, but it's really, really an embedded stakeholder in the business because we they want to see it uh, work. And even during this COVID time, Mm. They came on board to ask us, you know, guys, are you fine? Are you coping? What are the challenges? Where can we tweak things? Where do you need help? And um, that's why we saw a lot of investment in terms of a new ERP and accounting system that is much more suited for the business, for the manufacturing business, which made life much more better and us uh, being much more efficient and effective in how we produce things and, and the quality controls that we brought in and be able that resulted in better service delivery for our customers. Mm. So um, I think that it's it's just important to 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 understand the skills gap and to get the right support um, and get the right advice from people. Um, I think as an owner, um, what I can tell other uh, SMME um, owners is have mentors around you. Have people that have the experience where it may not be the same industry but just a business experience and and just do that introspective for yourself and for your business on a regular basis where you are especially if there's changes huge changes and curveballs that get thrown at us like mm. this COVID uh for the past two years mm-hmm. absolutely now you mentioned that um, you also were able to get access to funding from EPSA as part of their supply development program. And this is something that so many small black business, business owners um, often speak about or are frustrated around, you know, the lack of access to funding to be able to invest in their businesses and to help them grow or to get them started. So as a company that was, you know, in the beginning stages, you needed to get all of this equipment and your materials to be able to kick off the manufacturing business. How is it that you were able to secure funding um, from from EPSA through their supply development program. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. It wasn't an easy road to secure funding. Mm. I can tell you that some people can think, oh, because I'm a CA and and the way I talk, maybe I just. Uh, you know, slapped my fingers and and we got funding. Mm. It was not an easy road. Um, first of all. Even even at that time when we had the offtake agreement from 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 a corporate that says we we want to do business with these with these uh, black um, uh, entrepreneurs, um, it, it, funding didn't come that easy. We mm. needed to have a business case. We needed to to explain um, things in terms of our assumption. I, I think obviously I, I must say from a Pavati point of view, the advantage is having. ACA is one of the co-founders, so you have I have an appreciation for how to do the financial modeling, mm. and and I have an appreciation at what credit looks at and mm. what risk looks like. So when um, the credit department declines things, um, I know it can be frustrating for an entrepreneur, a very technical person, because they believe in the business and they don't understand why it's get declined. Mm. Um, it's because you have to understand that your business plan and your financial modeling have to make sense and it has to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And, and and credit, there are certain um, um, sort of ratios and, 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 and models they look at to pass um, these applications. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the, the norm across, uh, from my experience, that, that's the norm across most of the funding institution. Uh, you you will have your, your, your supplier development um, 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 officials or, or agents that really believes in the supplier 
themselves and they believe in your business case at the end of the day it still needs to go via credit mm. uh, and credit people look at simply just the numbers to mm. say does it doesn't make sense or doesn't it make sense what is the risk can we uh, uh, take that exposure yes or no mm. so it took us i think about 12 months to get to a point where we were approved by absa not because of lack of trying because of the open conversations we were having mm. with all stakeholders i think that the the final straw for us was to bring in together uh, supplier the the sd side being the supplier development side our our, our, our consultant they and also bringing our business banker and also the credit individual mm. um, um the the person who was reviewing our application and and actually having a one-on-one discussion with them and where they have an appreciation of of the entrepreneur and what we're trying to do mm. it, it's it's a it's a very difficult process because you have to be persevere through everything mm-hmm. and you have to be sure of your numbers and your numbers must be supported by the research by the realistic research and you must be able to back up the figures that are there mm-hmm. um sometimes because um you get smmes or entrepreneurs that are very technical maybe um they they know what they're selling but they're not very good in understanding the numbers so it's it, it may be worth a while to get a consultant or a financial person that will be able to speak to convert your business plan and and convert it into numbers that make sense that can pass and 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 be understood from a credit point of view mm. um for us really the winning combination was getting all stakeholders in one sitting mm. and 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 i remember that day we literally i we sat almost the whole day at absent a meeting and we went through and i i called down credit and said guys what are your questions and we went through individually every single thing that they didn't like mm. like this what is this what is that they had specific questions about certain numbers why they were saying no they don't agree to this and i had to explain to them about the industry you have to teach them about the industry first and why those assumptions make sense and no this won't make sense and those ratios won't make sense until to a point where they could understand it and link it to the business plan and and also with the support of supplier development absas sd where they also came into the party to say well as sd what are they doing what what are they bringing to the party to the entrepreneur and and what is the funds available from an sd point of view um to support the the organization so it, it it's not easy simply mm. i don't think it's 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 as simple as to say what did i do and whether that's going to work for the next organization mm. it it will differ from company to company in terms of how you apply for funding but they are one of the key things that i know is always critical to pass is you have to pass a question or a review from credit and and especially for banks mm. um uh, credit plays a big role and if sd uh, and your banker Uh, can motivate and believe in your business and you can convince credit um then you find that you find an easier conversation going forward in how you raise funding mm. what are some of the key takeouts that you've learned during your process of engaging with the efsa supply development program that have positively impacted on you as a business owner or changed the way in which you think or advanced your skills in any way mm. Oh wow there's so many takeouts um so how you know the 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 supply development program the absa supply development program has been so beneficial to to pavati as an organization but also i just want to speak about what i've learned personally for my personal growth uh, one of the things in the program that I, i've learned what has shown me is um you know i must be brave you know mm. i i believe sometimes you can doubt yourself as a as a as a business owner uh but i think the people uh, uh or that i've worked with that at the at the absa uh, program i find that they are very encouraging they're very supportive i i think that they've given me you know uh the platform to take the risk mm. and and to speak to them to engage to them about the risk that i want to take and just uh, the respect to say 
and uh, you know you, you I, I i i know what i'm doing uh, i i i am capable to growing a business mm-hmm. um and i am capable to 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 go to explore other markets and 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 knock on doors with their support. I think uh, the the SD the supplier the the supplier development program as well from APSA has, has helped us to knock on some corporate doors in terms of business development and exploring other markets. Mm. Uh, I know they've introduced us to some corporates um, uh, in the space and to say you know this is our supplier developer uh, uh, supplier beneficiary you know let's go and introduce them to this corporate obviously it's a it's a, it's it's one foot in the door and the rest i must do we must do as owners mm. to sell to sell ourselves and to sell the vision of, of poverty but it, it has helped us to sort of um where i would have otherwise hesitated to go mm. they have said this is your next phase you are ready for this go you know and open those doors for us and and i really do appreciate that from a personal point of view and also for the organization um where sometimes you can get very comfortable in doing the small stuff and just say okay no we're just playing at this level you know whether i'm a a 1 million or a 10 million turnover type of organization i don't want to do more mm. they've really said no this is the next phase. Where do we go from here? And really, um, I, I don't know whether I can mention names of, of, of the individuals, but um, a couple of them come to mind where they've they've really has helped us and they've introduced us to to some uh, to some stakeholders now that have come down to our books as our corporate clients, mm. and 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 they've helped us manage those relationships mm. um, um, and help us grow the business. Um, obviously, it's beneficial for them as well because they have a client. A business uh, banking client that is growing from strength to strength. Mm. Now, having access to expert advice, business development support services and skills development and training is essential for SMME growth, stability and sustainability. But access to market is another critical factor that many SMMEs are challenged with. To address this, APSA has also introduced the procurement market, which offers SMMEs access to their corporate supply and delivery chains. Through this procurement market, SMMEs can now register to become suppliers that the bank can procure products and services from, a desperately needed and substantial financial contribution towards the growth of SMMEs in South Africa and the holistic business-to-business value chain. How can other small business owners know when it's time for them to level up and seek new skills to help take their businesses to the next level? Because we can get so, like you mentioned earlier, when we're running the business, we can get so bogged down by the day-to-day running of it um, and not actually take a step back to look at whether we're ready for the next phase and what the next phase needs to be and what we need in order to get there. Mm, mm. No, true, Sitle, very much true. Sitle, I always say as, a, as an owner, when you, okay, even when you're starting a business, um, one of the key things, you can write your business plan and say, this is what I want to do, what I want to achieve, and you've uh, identified a market. Some of the key things, one of the other additional steps that you need to do is um, write about your skills and your limitations. Mm. I think sometimes as owners, when you start a business, you feel you can do everything. Mm. It's like everything must be done by you. You know the direction. People must report to you. You you do everything from A to Z. Mm. But I think that's just a false. Um, um, it, 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 there's no way you can be everything in your business. So when you write your business plan or when you conceptualize it, um, I think another leg that you need to do is conceptualize what type of an owner are you going to be? What mm. type of a founder? What are your limitations? Are you an operational technical person? As in like, I have the technical skills to build this thing and I'm good at it. And therefore, what is your limitation? My limitation may be sales. Mm. You understand? Mm. Because maybe I'm not very good to face customers. I mm. can't sell. I can't go and sell my, 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 my business. So therefore you, you end up, and then maybe my limitation is also finances. Mm. So then you end up understanding what type of skills you're going to need as and when you grow your business. 
uh, and understanding where should you play your role, where are you best suited. Not that it, it, it diminishes your role as a founder or an owner of an organization. Obviously, there's a strategic role because you know why you founded the organization, but you may need help in terms of sales and finance because there are people who are very good at selling the business. They just need to understand the product that you're selling. Mm. And then you just trust them to go and sell the business, to go and find you the business. And then and also same with your financial skills people. You must trust them to convert this and create budgets for you and be able to report back to you and trust the information that they give to you. And so you play more of a strategic role. Mm. Some of the other difficulties um, that you find, and, and, and as an owner, Wade will tell you now you need to level up, you as an owner you need to learn to delegate mm. um sometimes delegating as an owner is in dedicating additional skills and operational and roles and responsibility to other people it goes hand in hand with trust mm. you need to trust your employees so i feel that a key sign where you need where you need to take um, a note to say now i need to employ new people i need more skills i need to knock at doors of business consultants, I need this type of HR skill, is when you are doing too much, and um, by doing too much, you are still not adding value, mm. or you are not bringing any um, positive customer services in terms of um, your production and your quality, but you feel you are working too much. It means that you are not focused in what you are good at doing, you as an individual, which will bring value for your organization. Therefore, it means you need to free up space for other people to come to your organization and add value to your organization. Mm. And, and, and sometimes that has to go with delegating and trusting other people. Mm. If you are taking, I, I just always say with me, that's how we are in our organization. We we bring in people for the sake to say, uh, if I feel I'm doing too much on my day-to-day -day work uh, from an operation point of view where I don't have the time to sit back and reflect and look at where we are, then I need to take off a bit of the load out of my work and find out to say, okay, um, there's too much reliance on this. We need an additional person. We need other business admin person for this role because now I'm no longer adding value mm. and, 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 and things are now negatively being impacted in my business because I don't have an oversight and overall view of the whole organization. Mm. So um, it's important that uh, that people must reflect on where their company is mm -hmm. and and reflect on those limitations as an individual and don't try to do everything yourself and, and collaborate with other mm -hmm. other smes and, and and just network and 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 uh, delegate to mm -hmm. to other uh, potential um, SMEs that are there that can give you that service. Mm, absolutely, I love that. And this conversation has turned into the most ideal SMME masterclass <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> and I love that because it's going to be helpful to so many people because these are questions that people sit mm. with and don't know where to direct them. And also to go back to your point from earlier, so many people who run businesses are not honest about their yeah. experiences as part of that journey. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the pandemic has brought with it so many challenges for businesses you know, globally, mm -hmm. but particularly small businesses. What advice or words of encouragement would you share with small business owners right now? Oh, wow, wow, Sisha. I, I, you know, I always think about that. Um, we, we, we also attend, um, uh, I, I like attending certain master classes in terms of just getting inspiration, mm. uh, whatever that I can find to motivate me when days are dark or I don't feel like getting out of bed mm. because of this period of where we are, uh, you know, with this pandemic worldwide. Mm. Um, but I always say you must be steadfast in terms of your vision and your goal. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to be very difficult because, um, you know, um, we just now moved to level four and um, a lot of industries are struggling and you're looking at your cash flow and you say, but how I'm going to afford to pay salaries. And, and, and there's just a, a, a very, very gloomy, it looks very gloomy right now. But um, I think for, for, for owners and, and, and our SMME, fellow SMME owners, 
it's just we need to find new ways of operating you if you can't do things on the digital platform make use of that mm. you know um they are i've seen a couple of smes as well that have made use of your digital platform being your instagrams and your facebook to promote their businesses mm. and, and and get more traction from there in terms of uh, um, new customers mm. and and just working smarter in terms of what what can be done and having a, a, a smarter way of operating mm. and, and and sometimes it means you need to break apart your existing operations and look at where you can be much more efficient mm. and uh, in terms of your operation as i know for us as Pavati, we've made a decision that I can't be everything to everybody in mm. terms of my customers. I can't promise to produce all the plastic and every size that everybody wants. Mm. I must I must focus to say this is what we're good at and this is where these are the clients that have been good to us. Mm. And 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 sometimes loyalty goes a long way. Um, and so take care of your customers that have been loyal to you mm. um, uh, and, and they will take care of you as well during the hard time mm. as an owner. Um, I think as well, open lines of communication with whoever is your funder and your banker mm. and, and just and just be open. I know we did talk, there was a lot of talk with that last year with the lockdown level five where there was the idea of, um, uh, you know, payment holidays. Mm. But I think continuous uh, conversation with the stakeholders to say where we are and have a plan um, for your organization, a revised plan through this tough time. And also, I think what I would tell owners, you must take care of your health. Your mental health is absolutely key. Your physical health is absolutely key. If you can, try by all means to find ways to just look after yourself as well. I know businesses, it's, it's our little baby, you started it and you are very much um, like any parent, you don't want to let your baby die. But um, also a parent needs to be healthy to be able to pull back and get the energy to be able to, you know, to pass on and, and be much more effective in your organization. So it's, it's important. I can't, I can't um, um, you know, downplay that. Okay? Our mental health and our physical health, our just taking care of yourself is the first point of call before you are able to take care of your organization and people around you. Um, but I, I wish all SMEs well, and um, I wish that they can be steadfast and, and just, um, you know, do things, explore all other opportunities that are out there. I know it, it, it's a very difficult one. Um, we also look at it every day to see how can we do things better. Um, and we've also looked at where can we help our own employees, those who can work at home. We've improved in terms of the IT um, uh, facilities that we have that to allow our people to work at home, those who have little kids. And um, we touch base with each other through our WhatsApp groups as the organization to encourage each other and, and, and good news. And we share the good news, even no matter how small it is, if we have a new client, um, amongst ourselves as employees so that um, the, the production team gets encouraged as well. And, and we also share the tough times to say, okay, maybe this month it's not going well, next month let's push. Um, yeah, I think it's more about being together as a community and, and you, with your employees and also just taking care of each other during this time. I absolutely love that. That's honestly very, very amazing, amazing advice. For people who would love to connect with you or get in touch with you or find out more about your business, um, where can they get a hold of you? Oh, uh, oh <laughs> yeah, I think, um, well, to connect with me, yeah, it's, it's a very... Um, tough one because I'm, I'm I'm not in your social media as, as most people are. Mm. I, I think I'm old school. I only have Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's only now I'm exploring the opportunity of having more platforms like this to talk about um, my, my story as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur and also a black woman in that. Mm. Um, but um, Pavati, um, uh, we are still in in our early days of, of getting a website, mm-hmm. uh, but we are available. They can contact us via uh, my, my email, um, my work email, or 
work phone, um, but also on Facebook, I am available. Uh, it's in Clans, in and Tlego, well, in Clay for short, because all Zulu people abbreviate their names. Um, <laughs> gosh, gosh. I'm a Durban <laughs> so girl, so I get it. <laughs> you, yes, you won't find me if you go on Durban, but you will find me in St. Clay, and in my maiden surname, and Tlego, and um, you can um, drop me a message, and I'll be in conversation with people. Um, I think I'm looking forward to more of these type of podcasts, and um at some point, I thought, um, you know, you need to sort of get your stripes in the business and get ready. And, and you feel you find your voice where you feel you can contribute and share something with people. So it, it took me time because obviously we were learning mm. and we were going through the trenches to learn business. And now we're at the point where we feel we, 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 we have something to say and mm. something to share with the young people and to encourage them, especially during these difficult times. Absolutely. And ready you are. Claire, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It truly has been such an insightful and eye-opening uh, and real conversation that I know mm-hmm. will benefit so many people. So thank you so much for for your time and for your honesty. Well, thank you so much also, Sikhe, for having me. Um, yeah, um, I wish you well for uh, all your endeavors and, and the space that you're in and, and the platform that you're using to just uh, shine a light in, in, in transformation for the black child um, and what we are capable of doing uh, in, in all the spaces that we can just take up the space. Thank on. you so, so much. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sihle Bolani. I will see you again next time. If you're a small business owner and would love to find out more about APSA's procurement market platform, check out the link below in the episode description and really give your business the edge that it needs to be able to continue to grow and prosper in all the ways that are meaningful.